You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Whoever had the baby, if you stepped out, I just want to tell you a really quick story, and then I'm going to get this. I wasn't planning to do this. I was actually kicked out of a church service one time because I had Arwen with me. She was maybe about one-year-old, and she really wasn't making that much noise. And um, they kicked me out. Like, they came up and asked me to leave and insulted me in the process. It was really traumatic and terrible, and I have never forgotten it. I've always been uncomfortable with Arwen and services since that day. So I just want you to know that it doesn't bother me. Um, <laughs> you're allowed to be here. I'm not going to kick you out or have anybody else kick you out. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there. Um, that's, what, that's what these services are for. Um, and we are a family. So with that said, my name is Danielle. I am a part of the teaching team here. Um, see, I talk a lot with my hands. Um, and I am going to talk about peace today, but I want to start with this. Peace be with you. I wondered how many people were going to say that. Yay. Uh, But I want to ask you, and I want you to tell me, when I say peace, what comes to mind? Relax. Okay. Quiet. A deep sigh. Anything else? Sleeping children. Yes. Okay. Do you think that peace is the same peace that Jesus meant when he said, peace be with you to his disciples? No? Yes? Maybe? A little bit? We'll talk about that. So as you have noticed, we're in week two of Advent, and we're going to be talking about peace today. And um, how that fits in Advent peace to the greater Advent theme, which is preparing our hearts and our minds expectantly waiting for the Messiah. So let's talk a little bit about the world's peace, and then we'll jump into what Advent peace means. The world's peace is defined as freedom from disturbance, and that's great. Like, that would be so nice, right? It's also a state or period in the absence of war or after war has finished. Also so wonderful. We would love that. And last week, Brian talked a little bit about the context of what was going on in ancient Israel when they were waiting in anticipation of the Messiah and the unrest that they would have been experiencing with Roman occupation. And certainly, they would have wanted this worldly peace, the absence of this kind of disturbance and the absence of war. I'm sure they wanted that. But when Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would come and be the Prince of Peace, he actually said that he would be the prince of shalom. And shalom is different than the worldly peace. It's bigger than that. It's a completeness. It's a whole idea of human flourishing. Shalom is rest and relief. Shalom is tranquility and prosperity and well-being. It's bringing restoration to things that are broken, completeness to things that are incomplete. So when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, he was bringing shalom to that work. When we think of shalom, it's eternal and authentic. It is permanent and it is deep. Luckily, it's not finite. It doesn't run out. Jesus gives us this sustaining shalom when we have a sustaining relationship with him. It's something that we get walking with him in surrendered, submitted, obedient lives. And it's something that only a good God can give. This is the type of peace we're going to be talking about today. And this is the type of peace that we long for, that our souls need. Like, we would love freedom from disturbance. That would be great, but that's temporal. And we long for the rest and relief, the tranquility, 
that is eternal. So back to this idea of Advent peace. The Israelites would have known this. They would have known this concept. And they would have expected that the Messiah would bring this with him when he came. And he did, albeit differently than they were expecting. He brought restoration shalom to our relationships when he brought shalom to us when he restored our relationship with God. He did this reconciliatory peace by sacrificing his perfect sinless life on the cross rising again and conquering death once and for all. He brought restoration to our brokenness. And that's beautiful and wonderful. And if we left it at that, that would be great. But the thing is, that is purposeful, that peace that he's given us. It's not just for our benefit, like Jess was saying earlier. It is something that we're meant to do. We get restoration from the relationship that we have with Christ, and we get peace from that. But it's also a call to action. So he knew that there would be many troubles in this world, and we absolutely need the peace to be able to tolerate it, and that's great. But he also expected us to do something about those troubles. He expected us to bring our shalom peace to the chaos of the world. So by this restoration that we get, this assurance from God in our salvation, he's given us a gift of peace, but he doesn't give it as the world gives because the world's peace is circumstantial. It depends on what's happening around us. It depends on the freedom from disturbance. And that's really tough because you think about the proportion of disturbing events that happen in your life, and most of them you don't even have control over. So that kind of peace is tenuous and bleak and unattainable or at the very least unsustainable. So thanks be to God that our peace is not circumstantial. Our peace is permanent, and our peace doesn't come from us. It's not created by us. And I don't know about you, but that's a relief for me because despite how hard I try, I cannot manufacture peace for myself for any length of time. So thanks be to God that it's supernatural, like that it doesn't come from me. You're not going to get peace from me. Just spend five minutes with me and you'll, you'll know that. <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> okay. So, but it's also wonderful because you think about our assurance and salvation and it's secure. There's nothing that we can do to harm it. In Matthew 10, 28, Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Instead, be afraid of the one who can kill body and soul in Gehenna. Now, that seems scary, but I want you to think about it like this. Our lives don't hinge on our flesh, even though that's our temptation. Our temptation is to be so concerned about their flesh and what's happening in our flesh. But our souls are secure in his hands. The one who can destroy body and soul is the same one who mercifully gave up his life so you can live, so you can have eternal life. That's huge. I think it's interesting that Paul said in Philippians, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He understood that whether he lived or died, he had restoration peace. That's mind-blowing, and that's the gift that's offered to you. You just have to accept it. So even though we do have this wonderful peace that's with us, it's also that call to action. Just like all of God's gifts, they're not meant for us to be kept to ourselves. We're called to be peacemakers. In Romans, um, Paul said, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Relationships are hard. 
And that's especially true in the season that's supposed to be the happiest time of the year. But if it's possible, in as much as it depends on you, is there something that you can do to bring reconciliatory peace to those hard relationships? Can you pray for forgiveness from another person? Can you pray for a softened heart? Can you pray for understanding? Can you give forgiveness? Is there some option that the Holy Spirit made available to you that you're not taking? Relationships are work, and we have work to do. And once we've done that work, we can rest in it, and hopefully we've achieved a better outcome. But sometimes, despite our best efforts and the Holy Spirit's leading, people just aren't ready or willing to have restoration. And I think that that's why Paul put that caveat in there. If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, you can't control what other people do, what they say or how they act. All you can do is your work. And then you leave the rest with the Messiah, who is the Prince of Peace, to do the work in their hearts, and you can rest and have peace regardless of the outcome because his peace transcends what people will and won't do. His peace transcends the hardness of relationships. So as we move into communion, we remember that we're reaffirming our commitment to Christ and our commitment to be peacemakers. We are saying that we're preparing our hearts and our minds to receive his body, his blood, and his mission of peace. His life of bringing shalom to chaos is our example. And just as the ancient Israelites were waiting for the Messiah to come and bring peace to Israel, we're waiting for the Messiah to return and bring total peace to our world, to restore all of the brokenness of our world. So as we think about peace this week, we really need to determine what kind of peace we're striving for. Is it the kind of things that we want, the things that we think we need, or is it the shalom peace that he is going to bring that we actually need? And what does that look like? Does that look like searching out opportunities to, burst, to restore brokenness? Does that look like reconciliation with someone even though it's hard? Does that look like just resting in the assurance of his salvation? I don't know what that peace is for you, but I have a feeling you probably do, and if not, the Holy Spirit certainly does. We have to ask ourselves, is peace reigning supreme in this season? And if it's not, the king probably isn't either. Let us accept his gift, and may you have shalom peace this season. I'll pray, and then we have communion on this side, on this side, and in the back, and then... Um, we'll take communion together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that though your truths may be hard, they are nourishing. We thank you that no matter what happens in our lives, we have your assurance, we have your salvation, and we have your transcendent peace. Give us hearts to hear you and see you and know you, and let that peace that we have overflow so that we can be peacemakers in your world. Let us remember what commitment we're affirming when we take communion. And let us be closer together as a family because we do it together. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. 
For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.